God, we just lift our hands tonight, Lord. And we just praise you. We worship you. You are worthy tonight. You are high and lifted up, Lord. Jesus, you are seated on your throne, glorified, ascended on high, at the place of honor. You wear the victor's crown. And the angels cry, holy, 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 night and day. The creatures cry, holy, 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 night and day. And we are seated with you, glory to God. In the middle of your majesty, in the middle of your glory, in the place of honor, in the place of power and authority, above every name that has ever been named, that will ever be named. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. And we dwell in you. We live in you. You are worthy tonight, Jesus. You made a way. You are the way. You are our life. And we worship you tonight, God. Open our eyes, Lord. Let us see <laughs> the glory that surrounds us as we sit in heavenly places with you. Even while we sit in our earthly bodies tonight, open our eyes like the Apostle John and say, come up hither. <laughs> See things from my perspective. Oh, it's a beautiful day in the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful day in your kingdom, Jesus. You've overcome. You've overcome. Oh, you conquered, yeah, the grave. <laughs> you overcame sin. You overcame death. You overcame the wicked one and translated us and baptized us into you. <laughs> and we worship you tonight. Oh, we glorify you tonight. We just remind ourselves of what is true and what is real and who we are and who you are. Thank you, Lord, for awakening your kids, for shaking them out of slumber so that they can experience heaven. Right now, right here, in our midst, dwelling within us, remind us of what is true tonight, Lord. As we glorify you, as we magnify you, as we refocus our eyes on you, King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> you are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. You're worthy. You are worthy. Thank you, Lord.
Your presence is life. <laughs> oh, as we were worshiping, I, I felt like the Lord brought me into Exodus 33. And Exodus 33, I haven't been into it in a while. But it's actually one of my very, very favorite, I don't know, passages in the Old Testament. And it's, um, I think it's interesting because I, I think when I first started reading Exodus 33, I don't think I was fully established in my identity in Christ. I don't think I was fully established in understanding the new covenant. And I tell you, when you read the Old Testament without really getting uh, established in the fact that you are one with God as a believer, as the body of Christ, that there is absolutely no separation between you and God Almighty. That uh, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus, which, you know, first of all, is just phenomenal. But then we have been grafted in and we now live and move just like God lives and moves. Uh, We live and move and have our being in God. Now, whether we're aware of it or not, by the way, Like, this is a reality that is a 24-7 reality, even if we're only aware of it 1% of the time. Um, But when you're, and that's what happens when you're not fully established in it, you know? In Colossians, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This oneness with God. Oneness with God. And a lot of times, we we aren't established in that. And you know what? What happens when we're not established in that? We struggle. We struggle. We struggle and we do silly things like we seek God. You know, and we, I mean, how many sermons have been preached just this year on seeking God? Well, where are you going to seek him? When you are the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit. We are, we are the temple of God. In the new covenant, it was Jesus Christ becoming man and identifying with us fully on the cross so that we could fully identify with him. And now we are one with him. I share that because if you don't really, if I don't start there, when I read Exodus 33, we're going to pine for the days of Moses. We're going to think Moses had something here in Exodus 33 that we're trying to get. Matter of fact, when when I first started reading Exodus 33, that was the perspective I had when I read it. I thought, oh, the glory of Moses. The glory that Moses must have experienced to talk face to face with God. To go up on the mountain and see all of these things. And the truth of the matter is you and I, one day as a new covenant believer is better than the days of Moses. Moses was not the temple of the Holy Spirit. Moses was not crucified with Christ and no longer lived. Moses was experiencing God from the outside in. But when we are carnal people, what do I mean by carnal? Uh, when we are led by our physical senses, when we exalt the, the physical realm and we think that the things that are physical and tangible are more real than the things of the spirit, we will actually pine for the days of Moses and look for experiences that are external with God. 
But we have come into a better covenant. We have come into the most intimate relationship with God that we can ever have. The only place it will be more intimate, and it actually won't be more intimate, is when we get to heaven. The only thing that will change is that we will have shed this body. There will be no more carnality. And so we will experience it in the fullness because we have no longer have the hindrance of this fallen realm. But God wants you to experience the power of his resurrection and the fullness of what it means to be in Christ right now. He doesn't want you to have to to, wait to get to heaven. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said in John 3.16, he said, uh, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, If you were like me, you grew up in the Baptist church, you thought that was a scripture about heaven and hell. You thought that was a scripture that Jesus came to save people from hell so that they could have everlasting life. I thought everlasting life meant you die and go to heaven. But in John 17, Jesus cleared it up. And he said this, in John 17 verse 3, he said this is life eternal. To know the one true God and Jesus Christ, his son. So eternal life is an intimate knowledge of God. That Greek word that's translated know, that you might know the one true God, is the, in the Greek, it's a Greek word, gnosko. And it is actually such an intimate word that in Jewish culture, they used it as something called an idiom. And it was a Jewish idiom for sexual intimacy in the context of marriage. Gnosko. And so there's this intimate knowledge of God. That is eternal life. And that is something that we don't wait to die to experience. It is something that we have right now. Now, if you're not experiencing it, it doesn't mean you don't have it. It just means that either you haven't been established in the knowing of it, you've forgotten how to connect to it, Let me just say this. You're living carnally. Now, that doesn't mean you're living sinfully. It doesn't mean you're out committing sin. It just means you're living like a mere mortal. Either you forgot who lives in you, or you've never been told who lives in you, or you just are not practicing and the the connection of walking in the spirit. You're not staying awake. I asked Chris tonight to play something that was, you know, hallelujah. Give me some hallelujahs. Get us up in heaven tonight, Chris. Um, Get us up there because, you know, we need to worship. We need to worship God because when we worship God, we join into this, this other realm. And I know, guess what? When you're carnal, you do not feel like worshiping. You know what you feel like doing? You feel like turning on Netflix. You feel like taking a nap. You feel like going and getting a double cheeseburger with some chili cheese fries. Right? Because Netflix and naps and double cheeseburgers with chili cheese fries, that makes you feel better. How many of you know that doesn't really make you feel better? You wake up tired, right? Netflix, you feel a little brain dead after a marathon of that, right? And chili cheese fries and a double cheeseburger. You know, you don't, 
You know, you really need a nap after that. You know? So you don't worship because you feel like it. You worship because you want to feel better. (laughs) You worship because why? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And we want some life. We want some peace, not a double cheeseburger and some chili cheese fries. I mean, if double cheeseburgers and chili cheese fries could minister life and peace, well, hey, let's all go. Let's, let's have, you know, double portion. Double portion. But worship. It, why? Because it, it's reconnecting you to what is real. And I'm telling you, our emotions are so dramatic. You know, living carnally is so dramatic. It's dramatic to live carnal. You know, everything is just, you know, it's like, a, am, I, am, I, am I talking to the right people tonight? I mean, it's, you know, amen, amen. And I know, I know in that place, but, but I wanted to read Exodus 33 because I felt like the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like the context for reading it tonight is because it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. And I feel like what he's saying is every single day, this, is your, this, should, this can be your life. Like, as Moses was living here, in this place is how you and I can live because of what Jesus has accomplished. So let me just start reading it in verse 7. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside of the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And in the Amplified Version, it says the tent of the meeting with God. So, uh... Anyway, let's just think about this for a minute. So Moses went camping, and he had a tent, and he put the name of the he he called his tent the tent of the meeting of the Lord. Okay. Then it says anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of the meeting outside the camp. So people would come visit Moses while he was camping at the tent of the meeting. Okay, you know, I went jogging this week, and I have this place that I go down 67, and there's campers. Me and the girls actually went on a hike on my little trail this week. And, you know, there was all these campers out there with tents and stuff. It was hot. I was thinking, this is miserable. I do not want to camp out here. But they were camping, you know. I don't even know if they've got bathrooms and stuff out there, but I'm a little bit more of a, a glamper than a camper. But the point is, is that, you know, th- this was a tent, Moses had a tent, just like these campers out at the the campsite here. And it says, whenever Moses went out to the tent, I want you just to imagine this with me, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses till he entered the tent. Okay, so this would be like they're out at the campsite off of Highway 67, right? And it's Moses and the Israelites. And whenever Moses was going to his tent... All the campers would stand at the door of their tents until Moses got in his tent. I mean, I think, you know, like, think about this. This is camping. They're camping. It says, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. Okay? Now, I know everyone here is so enthralled by this. Like, oh, my goodness. The presence of the Lord descended onto Moses' tent, right? It says, 
while the Lord spoke with Moses. It says, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. And it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. It says, but his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now, I already hear you guys pining for this. And I'm telling you, that's a problem. It's a problem. It, because you, we act like Moses has something better than what you and I have. And you and I would never, ever, ever want the relationship with God that Moses had. Moses had an outside relationship with God. When Moses spoke face-to-face with God, okay, it was like me talking to one of you. But when we speak face-to-face with God, his face is in your face. He, he speaks to us. You know, what, you know who the tent is now? You. You are the tent. If Moses wanted to go talk to God right now, he needs to come talk to you. Because you are the tent of the meeting of the presence of God. Now, I I feel like there's two things that God is doing tonight in this service. Number one, hopefully, there's someone that's going to be listening. And we have people listening. I mean, I've told you, I got emails from people from Ghana, people from Netherlands, people from all over the world listening to the podcast. And But I don't know, America, they're listening from all over. And I hope at least one person is listening tonight who is going to adjust the way that they read the Old Testament as a result of hearing this message tonight. Because we do not pine for the relationship that David had with God or that Moses had with God or that Abraham had with God or that Esther had with God or that Jeremiah had with God or that Isaiah had with God or any of the, I mean, God bless the patriarchs. God, thank you, Lord, for the Old Testament. Thank you for the types and the shadows that represent Christ and the symbolism in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm teaching out of symbolism right now. This story in Exodus 33 is a symbol, a type and a shadow of what it's like to meet with God as a new covenant believer. It says, Moses said to the Lord. Now, here's what's great. If you are not hearing God the way Moses did, well, guess what? You shouldn't be having a less of a relationship than Moses had with with God. So definitely let it motivate you. When I first started reading it, like I said, I hadn't been fully established in the new covenant. I hadn't been fully established in my union with God. I was still living a lot of the time like I was separate, searching for God, seeking God, seeking his face, fasting and praying. Not that there's anything wrong with fasting. Not that there's anything wrong with praying. But if you think it's going to get you to closer to God, the only thing that changes is your awareness. You start to believe that you're closer to God, so you experience the closeness of God at a greater level. Fasting just knocks your your carnality out of the way. It, it it's like it gets that your physical senses, it, it it moves them out of the way so that you can be more aware of the things of the spirit. But you're not any closer. 
you can't, I mean, one, you can't, how do you get more close than just oneness? I mean, you, you don't, what, 0.5? You're not one, you're 0.5? Like, where are, you, where are we going? Where are we going? What we're growing in is the knowledge of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, the apostle Paul said, Lord, grant unto them, in verse 17, he goes, grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of you. Guess what? Knowledge, what kind of knowledge? Intimate knowledge. Intimate knowledge. I love the book of Ephesians. Um, And I'm going to just go there. Um, in just a few of scriptures. I love the book of Ephesians. I love all of the epistles. I I love the Bible. I just love the Bible. You know why I love the Bible? Because it tells me about the one who died for me. It tells me about who I am in him. It tells me what's true and what's real and um, helps me overcome my human, you know, carnality. It helps me walk in the spirit. It helps me remember what is true. And in Ephesians, um, let me just go to chapter one here really quick. And I'll just go in the Amplified just because, I I mean, I'm still in Exodus 33. I've got both going here. Uh, It says here in verse 17, it says, I always pray. This is the Apostle Paul. I love this. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen in the Amplified. It says that gives you deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. It says, for we know the Father through the Son. So that's what Paul was praying this. So he wasn't praying for some kind of, an, you know, I don't know, external meeting with God. He was praying that you would just get knowledge of the one that lives in you. Here's what he says in 18. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being may be enlightened. It says flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you, would, you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of the glorious, of, wait, sorry, the riches of his glorious inheritance. In the saints, God's people. So it says here that I want your heart to be flooded with light. Another translation says, I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so that you would know, this is what it says, the hope of your calling. Okay, what is the hope of your calling? The hope of your calling is Christ in you. The hope of glory. It is it, the, the, the mystery that was hid from the ages which was now revealed, is Christ in you. It says in in Hebrews chapter 1 that in sundry times, in past times, in other words, God spoke to us through the prophets. 
But in this hour, in this day, in this age, he has spoken to us in the person of a son. I mean, when we, this, is, this is so radical. As Christians, we've heard it so many times, it's like it's just become a cliché. Right? It's just become a cliche. Jesus lives in my heart. Um, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Um, there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ. I'm in Christ. Um, what other ones? You know, live and move and have my being in God. There are just so many scriptures. Uh, I abide in the vine. You know, there's just, the, if you read, I mean, I forget how many, it's like something like 240 plus times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses the term in Christ. You know, I have this whole uh, list of those scriptures on my computer, just the in Christ scriptures. Uh, so, back to Moses here. I, this is, a, this is powerful, but think about this. So the presence, this cloud would come down. What was this cloud? Do you feel like it was the Holy Spirit? Was this the Holy Spirit's presence? Was this, you know, the cloud of, of, of God's presence? I mean, I'll say this, in worship, you know, there are many times that people that come here and say, man, I, it was cloudy in here. It was cloudy in the room. I've heard many people tell me that in worship. Why? Well, because their their, their spiritual senses are being um, they're being becoming aware of the presence of God. When you are in the presence of God, guess what? It's just as cloudy as it was here. Just your physical eyes are maybe not aware of it. You're not missing out. I guess is what I'm saying. When the presence of God is is resting. And it, it, it's always resting on you. You know, this week, uh, I had the opportunity. I was, you know, every week I'm interviewing prospective Emerge students and coming into the program. And this week, I never know what God's agenda is for the calls. But this week, two, two, two people got, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the funny thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you've never been, if you don't, you know, whenever I ask people who have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they always tell me yes, and they think it means baptized by water. Yes, I was baptized when I was 14, you know, or I was baptized, and they tell me about the baptism in water. And I always have to stop them and say, no, I'm not talking about baptism in water. I'm talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, most people are like I was, right? I was raised in the Baptist church. I grew up in the Bible Belt, and uh, I was not taught the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, we, we kind of believed that, there, that all of that kind of stuff, well, I, I, I think we, we believed that maybe it, it could happen. Someone could speak in tongues, but it wasn't for everyone. It was really weird. It was definitely not something you wanted um, because, it, you know, it could be demonic. It could be the devil. We were more afraid of it than we w- welcomed it. And, you know, if someone did speak in tongues, well, you better have someone there that can interpret it because if not, it's definitely of the devil. So we were always a little, like, leery of it and a little cynical of it and a little scared of it. 
And, you know, I had a grandma who was Pentecostal who she spoke in tongues, but she didn't wear makeup. She didn't even cut her hair. She had like a, you know, like a six-foot bun. It was just a huge bun, you know, my Mimi. And I loved my Mimi, but, I mean, everything was a sin to Mimi. My mom couldn't go to movies. She couldn't go to the, you know, the drive-in, couldn't go to football games, couldn't dance, couldn't go roller skating. She basically couldn't have any fun. Because it was, if it was fun at all, well, it was of the devil, right? So, you know, you take that kind of a background where you grow up and it's not taught, it's, you know, it's a little scary, and then you got the six-foot bun grandma who has zero, you know, like everything's a sin. Well, it's not something that, you know, I'm probably going to be seeking after in any way, shape, or form. So the, the point is, is that I didn't really even hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I was in my, my 30s. And so these precious people that, you know, and I've ministered to, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to thousands of people now. But I'm bringing it up because, number one, if you're listening and you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't don't let that continue. You know, reach out, email us at info at shalice.com and we'll have someone pray with you. Or if you're here tonight, let's pray with you before you leave the building. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is literally almost like what happens here with Moses. It's like the presence of the God, the presence of God just descends upon your life. Descends upon you in a powerful way. Jesus said in Acts 1:8 that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Right? Now as believers, every single person has the Holy Spirit. So this is not like this is more about not you having the Holy Spirit. It's more about the Holy Spirit having you. And it's about this overflow of God's presence in your life. And so why am I sharing this tonight? Because as a, if you're a spirit-filled believer, there is absolutely no reason why, except just you're not doing it, right? That you aren't experiencing the overflowing power and presence of God in your life. Because when we pray in the Spirit, it says rivers of living water come from our bellies. Now, what is that? What is rivers of living water? What is this? Well, I don't know. Last time I I read about the throne room of God, I've read about heaven. There's this river of life. And this river of life comes right from the throne room. And when you pray in the Spirit, when you, when you allow these rivers of living water to come out of your mouth and come out, flow out of your belly, this is heaven coming out of you. This is the presence of God coming out of you. And so I want to, I want to remind you today that you have something better than Moses. Moses didn't have living water coming out of his mouth. Moses had a tent where the cloud would descend and he would, he would, he would have meetings with God. Well, I, that's why I train people in Emerge to journal. You can have a meeting of God whether you're camping, whether you're showering, whether you're driving, whether you're cooking, taking a walk. Heck, you can have a, you can have a meeting with God wherever you are because you are the tent. And, you know, your journal is just a simple, just a simple practical way to help you connect to the voice of God. And if you aren't hearing the voice of God all the time, well, no wonder that you're, you're struggling. Because Jesus has the words of life. 
And think about this. And again, we read the Gospels and we're almost jealous sometimes. You know, like, oh, I wish I could have been one of the multitude and heard Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount. You know, oh, we could have been in the crowd pressing in to touch the hem of his garment. Have we lost our minds? We, we, we don't know who we are. We had, I mean, Jesus said, it is better for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter will not come. Who is this comforter? His name is the comforter. Like, I think we should spend some time with this guy. The Holy Spirit's called the comforter. He's not called the, you know, hellfire and brimstone thrower. He's the comforter. He's a teacher. He's an intercessor. He's an encourager. It says that he, when he comes, it says he won't speak of himself, but only as he hears that will he speak. And then it even says this, and he will show you the future. I mean, and this Holy Spirit, you know how, you know how much of a gentleman is? He won't interrupt you. He'll wait for you to ask him to talk. I mean, he might interrupt you if you're really needing, you know, if he really needs to get through to you. But the most part is, is that I'm just here to remind you tonight of what's available to you. And I, and I get it. For the most part, I mean, trust me, I don't wake up, you know, fl- you know levitating in the glory. I, you know, that'd be wonderful if I woke up in the morning, you know, angels singing, you know, levitate to the bathroom to brush my teeth. No, I mean, you know, I wake up, I got to sometimes, you know, stretch it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm no spring chicken, right? I had my 50th birthday this year, right? My youth is renewed like the eagles, and I say it every day, but, you know, I don't wake up like I probably did 20 years ago, right? The point is, is that I'm, I'm saying there's no one that doesn't have to deal with the carnal flesh, scene realm. You know, the word says we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. Meaning we all have to deal with our physical senses. We all have to deal with our unrenewed minds. We all have to work through the, the concept of, you know, it, it says to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It says when we walk in the spirit, we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So obviously there's an option to be, to carnal, be carnally minded. There's an option to walk in the flesh. <laughs> there's an option, right? So what do we do? Well, when we wake up, we need to wake up. What do I mean by that? I mean, you might be physically awake, but are you spiritually awake? Are you spiritually awake to the reality that you have a better deal going with God than Moses does in Exodus 33? Are you aware that Jesus, I mean, we're not talking about theoretical Jesus living inside of you. This isn't theoretical Jesus. This isn't doctrinal Jesus. Although, I mean, the theory of Jesus living in you is totally a good theory. The doctrine of Jesus living in you is very good doctrine. 
But what I'm saying, it's not enough to be theory, and it's not enough to be doctrine. This is, this is a reality. You're like, Shalise, well, here's the problem. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like Jesus is living in me. It feels depressing. It feels anxious. It feels hopeless. It feels tired. It feels, there's all kinds of feelings. Guess what? Your feelings have nothing to do with the reality of Jesus living in you. Feelings are just feelings. They're like, they're like weather. They're like the weather. It's blowing. Right? Today's cloudy with a chance of rain. Right? If you check your feelings, you can say today's cloudy or oh, it's a sunny day today. Right? You know, you never know sometimes what you're going to get up, get, get, get when you wake up. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I struggled for years with emotional, um, just emotional baggage and depression and anxiety. And I, I, so I know what it's like to wake up wanting to pull the covers over your head and depressed and all of that. I, and I'm not, I'm not discounting that. It's very, very real. But your feelings cannot tell you what's true. They can only tell you how you feel. That's all your feelings can do is just tell you how you feel. And as believers, as someone who doesn't have a theoretical Jesus, but actually has the real Jesus, the real Jesus, and I'm always amazed because a lot of times, you know, I'm, maybe I'm on the phone with these people and I, like this week, I was going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Both times before I got on, well, both, one time for sure. The second one I'm trying to remember. Um, but the first time for sure, the Holy Spirit told me, she's not baptizing the Holy Spirit. So before I got on the phone, the Holy Spirit was telling me the future. Right? And you know, it's not like I felt all spiritual on the phone. It wasn't like I was levitating on the phone call either. You know, I'm just kind of stepping out in faith, you know, just going to pray the prayer in the name of Jesus. I just, father, you're the baptizer of the Holy spirit. I just release. I say, be filled with the Holy spirit and just began to pray in the spirit over them. Next thing you know, the person's praying in the spirit over the phone. Why? Because Jesus lives in me. The baptizer of the Holy Ghost lives in me. And when I speak in his name, the manifestation of who he is, is present. The miraculous power of God is present. Not because I'm all that. Just because I believe that I am one with God. Now, I'm going to keep reading here because I'm going to go back here. And I think I've made my point about Exodus 33. In verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, listen to this. You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people, right? So here's Moses really talking about 
really his assignment. Okay, he's talking about his purpose in life. He's talking about the call of God on his life. And every single person within the sound of my voice also has a kingdom assignment in the earth. Okay, you have a reason that you are on the planet. You have a purpose. Yes, Moses was called to lead the the Israelites out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. Well, guess what? There's a call of God on your life in some way, shape, or form that is going to bless people with freedom. It's going to bless people with some aspect of the kingdom, with some aspect of who Jesus is. You're carrying that on your life. You're carrying an attribute of God. And we think, again, it's amazing. Moses is having these conversations with the Lord. Well, I'm telling you, you can have the same exact conversations with God. And you should. You should be having these conversations with God, and you should be hearing God. But, Shalise, I bet it seemed more, it was probably more dramatic with Moses. You know, we imagine it to be more dramatic. Now, it doesn't say that it's more dramatic. It just says this cloud stood there. You know, I don't really know how dramatic it was. Maybe it was an audible voice. Maybe it wasn't an audible voice. Um, But here's what I want to tell you. The audible voice of God spoke to Jesus three times. We have it recorded in the gospel, the audible voice of God speaking to Jesus three times. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased, right? At his baptism. Then at the grave of Lazarus. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased, right? Some people said, thought, thought it thundered, right? Then on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. And, it's, and this time the father added, listen to him. I think that was for the people, not for Jesus, I think the first time coming out of the water was for Jesus because he was about to go into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And I think that was probably one of the most dramatic testing times of his life. And I believe it was also a testing specific on his identity. And so I think it's also for us that read about it because it was very much about, okay, God told him who he was and then he stood in who he was. And there's a clear connection there for us. But my point is, in John chapter 5, Jesus said this, of my own self I can do nothing. But as I, he said this, but only what I see the Father doing, that's what I do. So Jesus, even though he only heard the audible voice of God three times, was so dependent on the Father that he didn't move and didn't do anything. He said, of my own self I do nothing. So he lived in such constant communion and such constant fellowship with his father that he didn't, didn't do anything on his own. And it wasn't because he was having a face-to-face conversation with the father the way Moses was. You know what he was doing? He was living as a son. He was living in union with the father. He said, the father and I are one. And so he was living in the same way with the father that you and I are called to live with the father. And so if Jesus did it that way, he wasn't lacked. Who who would you rather be, Jesus or Moses? No, of course. Of course we want the, yes, Moses had signs and wonders. He had a staff. He threw it down, turned into a snake, led him out with the signs and wonders, the plagues, powerful Red Sea. Whoo, glory, right? What is possible for you? 
if you actually believed that the Jesus Christ of Nazareth that walked around, turned water into wine, raised Lazarus from the dead, cleansed the lepers, cursed the fig tree, walked on water, what if you really believe that he lived inside of you? What kinds of signs and wonders would be going on through your life? What would be possible for your purpose? I mean, Moses, you know, he wasn't really confident. That's why he's asking them this, this question. You've been telling me this stuff, right? If you're pleased with me, you said I found favor with you. Teach me, show me your ways, right? And then I love this. The Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But here's something so incredible that I feel like I would read this over and over again. Again, really before I was established in my union with God, he said this, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. That's what Moses said. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. He said, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with all of with your people unless you go with us? Here's what he said. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses recognized that God's presence is what distinguished him. That God's presence is what made him different from everyone else on the earth. That was verse 15 through 16 of Exodus 33. Now, you know, I, um, for both people that were filled with the Holy Spirit that I talked with on the phone this week, um, I recommended a book. It was a book by Benny Hinn called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And I recommend that book because it's, it's an incredible journey. Uh, it's an incredible story of Benny Hinn's journey into getting to know the Holy Spirit. And Benny Hinn, basically, I'll give you a little bit of, what, regardless of what you think about Benny Hinn, this is not, I just want you to listen to this and be open-minded. Because um, in the beginning of the book, he goes to a Catherine Coleman meeting. But if you know much about Catherine Coleman, Catherine Coleman was very much a Holy Spirit person as well. Matter of fact, the meeting that Benny Hinn was at, her intimacy with the Holy Spirit um, really is how she accomplished her ministry. Uh, they would stand outside in the, in the meetings, and, and in this instance, in the freezing cold to get into the meetings. And Benny Hinn said he didn't know what was happening to him, but he was actually shaking under the presence of God. He was just shaking out in the cold. He thought, well, am I cold? What's going on here? He, you know, he'd never experienced anything like this. And he gets in the meeting, and it's this vibration, and this vibration, and people are like, what is that, Shalise? What is that? Well, that's, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he said Catherine Coleman talked in this way that, like, she was, like, pointing and saying, you don't understand. He's all I have. You don't know the price I've paid. Very dramatic. But she's talking about her relationship with the Holy Spirit. And Benny just said he just did not even know what to do with it. But he got home that night. And it's, I mean, he was just a, 
you know, he was, he grew up in Israel and his family totally ostracized him when he became a believer. I mean, he was an outcast in his family. And he got home that night, went into his room, got on the floor and said, Holy Spirit, I don't think I know you. I want to know you like Catherine Coleman knows you. And he said, all of a sudden, the vibrating began again. And he started shaking in his room. And he and the Holy Spirit developed a friendship. He said the Holy Spirit, he was very lonely. He had no, I mean, he was, he stuttered. He had a very um, challenging childhood. He didn't fit in. And he said the Holy Spirit became his very best friend. And they would sit in their room and the Holy Spirit would just open up the Bible and start to talk to him about the Bible. And they would teach. But here's, the, here's what I want to say about that story. Is that one time a guy came to pick him up, uh, the, maybe the friend that took him to the meeting. I can't remember the details of the book. But a guy came to pick him up to go to a meeting. And when Benny got in the car, the man started weeping. And he started crying because the presence of God got in the car with Benny. Why? Because the Holy Spirit. Benny was making room for the Holy Spirit and friends with the Holy Spirit. Right? And I mean, here Moses is saying, if your presence doesn't go with us, well, don't send us up. And so there's a... There's a cultivating of the presence of God. There's a cultivate, and it doesn't mean, again, this is not, it's making room for what is true in your life. I mean, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's there, and, and it's just a matter of becoming aware of it. It's a matter of, of, of honoring it and communicating with God and making room for it in your life. So when I get up and I don't feel so holy, guess what? My, my first priority in every single day is to get into the Spirit. Every single day. It's, and it's not that I'm trying to get something I don't have. It's that I'm, 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 I'm waking up to what, I all, what is already real. You know, lately the Holy Spirit's been having me listen to my own podcast, which is really funny. It's really funny when the Holy Spirit has you listen to your own stuff. But there is an anointing on this, not because I'm so fantastic, but the Holy Spirit is so fantastic. And there's an anointing on just these podcasts, just these meetings to help you wake up and stay awake. And as you listen to this, you know, wherever you are, that's why we do the podcast. Turn it on. Because there's an anointing to help you remember the truth. And that's really all it is. It's just just a remembrance. And then this is the best part, verse 18 in Exodus 33. And the Lord, well, we'll start in 17. He says, I will, the Lord said to Moses, I love this, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. You know, when you talk to the Lord and you journal, this is the kind of stuff you get to hear. He doesn't beat you up. He says, you know what? I believe in you. I'm so proud of you. I love being your dad. You know what? You are full of my glory, your gifts. And just give me great pleasure when you exercise them, when you trust me. You know what I've got planned for you? i got big plans for you. 
Your future is bright. I'm all in it. Dream big, kid. I mean, just all kinds of beautiful things the Father says, the the Holy Spirit says. But Moses said this, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. And this is what the Lord said. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name. The Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, I love this. You cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Says, then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you can stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. You know, I, I just read these. I mean, you know, this was, literally was like some of my very favorite scriptures. Um, uh, you know, and you start reading, the, it talks more about what the whole thing. But my point here is... Um, You know, at one point it said he talked to him face to face. And then here he says he didn't talk to face. So when I, when I believe when he says he talked to him face to face, I mean he was having conversations like a man talks to his friend. But let's not make this out into something that is so glorious, that is so beyond what we have. I mean, Moses says I couldn't see his face. But now somehow he's in me. He's in you. Not only could you not look at his face and live back then, Now, somehow, we are alive in him. We have such... When you look at this, I mean, this is... I literally have come to a place in my life, and I'm saying this not in any way, shape, or form except to encourage you that I'm not... I am not special. I'm not unique at all. I mean, I don't want to be known as some general of God that is, you know, some Smith Wigglesworth or some Catherine. Not that I don't operate in the same stuff that they do. Not, but, but my, my ministry, my point here is to get you there. Because the truth is, every single person that is in the body of Christ has the exact same Jesus as Smith Wigglesworth, the exact same Holy Spirit as Catherine Coleman and Benny Hinn. The only difference between a John G. Lake and anybody else is revelation. It's literally the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of God. It's literally a knowledge of God. It's an intimacy with God. It's an understanding of the scripture and of what is real. And that's available to all of us. And I'm not saying that we don't honor these men and women of God, that we don't, that you don't honor the gift that's on my life. Absolutely, we honor those things and we need those. We need the fivefold ministry. But the point of the fivefold ministry is to equip you. It is to equip you for the work of the ministry. It is to, to let you know who you are so that you are operating in this. 
But my point is, is that I don't read this story. I don't, there's nothing in this story that appeals to me beyond the fact that it's an incredible, oh, this is awesome. I, I honor Moses. But Moses doesn't have a thing on me and Jesus. Moses doesn't have a thing on me and my daddy. Moses doesn't have a thing on me and Holy Spirit. Why? Because I have, I have come to the place in my life where I know my, I know my Savior. I know my Father. I know the Holy Spirit. And I am confident in our relationship. I am confident in His love for me. I am confident in who I am, in, in who I am in Him. Now, do I manifest it 24-7? Heck no. Pray for me. No, I have not arrived. I'm like Paul. I am forgetting those. Have I yet, have I yet attained the thing that, that I'm going for? No. My determined purpose is to know him. And in, in that chapter in Philippians uh, verse 3, he says that I might intimately know the wonder of his persons more experientially. I, I should read it because it's just so good. And he's, you know, and in the same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. And then he says, have I yet attained this? No. But this one thing I do, I forget those things that lie behind and I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ. And I love in one of the translations how it talks to about so that I might apprehend what I was apprehended for. Woo, listen to that. I want to apprehend the reason I was apprehended. Means that God apprehended me. God apprehended you so that we might apprehend him. Ooh, that's good stuff. We were arrested by God, pulled into the kingdom, born again, grafted in. Why? So that we would know him. So that we could apprehend him. And so, you know, I remember when I read that Benny Hinn book, I was on the, um, I was on the mission field and (laughs) it wasn't even my book. I borrowed the book, um, from one of the people that was on the mission trip with me. I think it was my first mission trip. I was on, I think I was in the school of ministry. I was in a school of ministry with Bill Winston and I was on this mission field in India, and somebody on the trip had it. And I remember borrowing it from them. And I started reading this book, and I couldn't put it down. I was just, like, obsessed with this book. And, matter of fact, they asked for it back, and I was like, no, you can't have it. Like, I was that kind of, I mean, I... If you've never been in the place in your life where you're just desperate, like I could not go on anymore the way my life had gone. I mean, I, I was done, you know, it was just not working. And so I just didn't give the book back. And I remember I was reading, I was just like reading it, reading it, reading it. I couldn't put it down, reading it, reading it. And finally, I run, I, I, I remember, I ran outside of the hotel we were staying in in India. And I don't even know if that's that safe. I mean, it was a crazy place, India, where we were. And I'm running outside, and I remember yelling at the sky, Where is the God of Benny Hinn? Literally, this is a true story. 
literally crazy person, ran outside. Where? But I was like that. I remember during that, that, that trip too, I remember Bill Winston was teaching on bab- being baptized in Jesus' name. And I told him, well, I ha- I'm not baptized in Jesus' name. I have to get baptized. He's like, well, okay. No, I mean, I have to do it right now. He's like, what do you mean, right now? I'm like, yes, right now. I have to be baptized. And like, I remember I made, he went down and got his swimming trunks on and went and baptized me in the swimming pool. Why? I mean, you know, so, if I would have been the woman with the issue of blood, right? I mean, I would have been the that person, the son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, I would have been that one screaming out until Jesus turned around. Why? Because um, I want it all. And I want you to have it all. I don't want you to live a life that is less than the one that Jesus Christ died for you to live. A great price was paid for your freedom. But not just for your freedom. A great price was paid so that you could know God. So that you could experience God. So that you could be one with God. An incredible price was paid. And so it's not okay for us just to live like natural people. To live like the world. To suffer with the same stuff that the people that don't know Jesus and when I say they don't know Jesus they never you know they just don't know the truth it's not okay it's not okay and so you know you start really simple it's not this isn't hard it's so simple a little kid can do it I mean all the reason the Benny Hens book is called Good Morning Holy Spirit is because he just started waking up every day and saying Good morning Holy Spirit and he just started having a relationship with God. I'm telling you, when if you drive home tonight or you, before you're going to bed tonight, if you just, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. Jesus, I know you, but, you know, I, I really want to know you more. Father, I, I've experienced you. I, I believe in you, but I, I, I want to get to know your heart. What do you think about? What are you thinking about, Holy Spirit? What are you thinking about, Jesus? What are you thinking right now? I, a lot of times when I journal in the morning, I'm like, you know, Father, what do you want to tell me today? Holy Spirit, what do you need me to know today? And I just let him talk with me. But it's not hard. It's just taking the time to develop a relationship in the same way you would develop a relationship with anybody else. It's having conversations. It's, 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 it's learning to cultivate your spiritual senses so that you can hear his voice. And, you know, a lot of times people, especially people that are in a merge when they're not used to experiencing God the way that I lead them into learning to do, you know, they're like, well, how do you know you're not making this up, Shalisa? So these are imaginations. How do you know that it's, and I said, you, you know, I said, you practice. That's how. You practice in Hebrews chapter 5, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. In Hebrews chapter 5, there's a scripture that talks about um, our spiritual senses. And let me just get there. Uh, okay, in verse 11, it says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of of God's word all over again. 
You need milk, not solid food. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Now, let me, I'll, I'll, let me finish it. It says, but solid food is for the mature. It says, who, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. A better translation of this in verse 14 says, but let me just go here to a different translation. Um, of the last scripture there. I'll just do this. It says this. It says, but strong meat belongs to them who are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. Now, this whole passage of scripture is talking about infants and it's talking about spiritually mature. It's talking about milk and it's, and, and this, you know, it talks about meat or strong meat or solid food. It's, it's kind of doing this compare and contrast between an infant and, and a mature believer. And it says that anyone that needs milk, an infant, if you're an infant, and there's nothing wrong with being an infant. We all start as infants. It's not like we're mad at the infant for being an infant when a baby's a baby. Right? So there's nothing, but at the same time, it's bad to be 30 years old and be in diapers. Okay? Meaning you never grow up. That's not okay. But it says milk is someone, in this version it says, that is unskillful in the word of righteousness. What does this mean? What does that mean? Unskilled in the word of righteousness. The other translation, let me go back there, it said you need someone to teach you about righteousness. Well, righteousness is the nature of God. Righteousness is the uh, perfection of God. And the New Testament, especially the epistles, I mean, righteousness is a big topic here because it talks about the righteousness that is of faith, uh, the righteousness that comes through Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? It says that, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the scripture says that he was made to be sinned, talking about Jesus, that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there's this righteousness that comes to those that are in Christ by virtue of us being in Christ. The reason we are righteous as believers is not like, I mean, it's similar to like how Abraham Abraham, righteousness was imputed to him because he believed God. And righteousness is, in effect, imputed to us because we believe God. But the truth is we have no, we have no nature apart from Jesus anymore. We've become one with God. And so, therefore, his righteousness is our righteousness. It really is a message about union. It's, it says if, you don't, if you're unskilled about righteousness, meaning if you're struggling with condemnation, if you're struggling with... Um, Self-righteousness is the other kind of righteousness. So there's only two kinds. Jesus' righteousness and your righteousness or human righteousness. And self-righteousness is, is, is absolutely a stench in the nostrils of God. It is the basis of religion. It is the basis of you being good or bad apart from God. And when it says all of our righteousness like filthy rags, meaning there is no, not one righteous, no, not one, it means apart from Christ, there is no such thing as righteousness. Now, I'm sharing this with you. Why? Because I'm skilled in the word of righteousness. 
I get this. I'm totally, totally settled that I am righteous. Irregardless of how I'm acting, irregardless of how I'm thinking, irregardless of what is, what is manifesting in my life, I am righteous because of what Jesus accomplished for me. Right? Now, I'm growing in the fruits of righteousness, meaning that my behavior, as I continue to, to, to recognize who I am in Christ, well, I'll manifest more holiness. I will manifest more of the, the behavior of Christ as I get more and more firmly established in that. But the point is, that's the basis for spiritual maturity. And then he says that solid food is for the mature. Okay? So who else, what else is mature? Okay, it's obviously someone that is skilled in the word of righteousness, but the other aspect of maturity is someone who by constant use have trained themselves to to discern good from evil. That means that what is discernment? Discernment is not intellectual knowledge. Discernment is is Holy Spirit knowledge. And it means it's where you have exercised, you have used your spiritual senses to discern what is going on, what's real. And until you are using your spiritual senses like that, and how do you do it? By reason of use. So people say, well, how do you know it's God? How do you get confident in this? By reason of use. You practice. You practice hearing the voice of God. You practice the presence of God. You practice using your enlightened eyes, your imagination. You practice. I mean, that's why in Emerge, I mean, it's like 20 million ways to encounter God because we're constantly practicing experiencing the spiritual realm. Why? Because you're called to live there. You're called to live, walk by faith. You're called to walk according to what you can't see with your natural eyes. And as spiritually mature sons and daughters, that is how you're living. So part of my job is to help you grow up. This isn't just like we're being prophetic because it's cool. Like I'm training you to be prophetic just because you want, I want you to be the cool prophetic person, you know, that can prophesy on demand and give a word of knowledge and operate in the gifts of the Spirit because that's just, you know, that's the hip, cool thing to do as a Christian, although it's obviously powerful and you'll see signs and wonders. And honestly, a Christianity without that is a bad witness. It's a really bad witness. You know, I had somebody on the other phone the other, the other, phone the other day. You know, it's like it, it doesn't even occur to me to try to get someone to believe in Jesus without some kind of sign and wonder. Like we're going to somehow have some kind of intellectual conversation with them. No, I'm going to I'm going to get a word of knowledge and I'm going to freak you out. Like I'm going to know I'm going to read the secrets of your heart and you're going to know that God showed up. And the fact that I, I'm again this isn't because I'm special. It's because I have practiced using my spiritual senses, and as a person who is called to the fivefold ministry, my job is to equip you to do the same thing because the world is in need of a demonstration. If, we, if you and I don't need a theoretical Jesus, well, what in the world would make us think that unbelievers need a theoretical Jesus? 
You know, even in the book of Acts, it says that the religious people, when they looked at the disciples, they, they, were, they were people they, that they knew had been with Jesus. I mean, they're like silver and gold. We have none, but such as I have, I give unto you to, you know, rise up and walk. I mean, the, it, it, the gospel, Christianity is a supernatural experience. And if it's not that, you're a bad witness. Now, granted, you might love, I mean, I, I, know some, I know some unbelievers who love really well. So yes, love, we'll be, we'll be known by our love, absolutely. But love has a supernatural component that does not keep, does not leave people in suffering. When Jesus was moved by love, when Jesus was moved by compassion, you know what he did? He healed the sick. He didn't just say, I love you. He didn't just give him a Hallmark card. You know, I, I'm just saying, there's, signs and wonders are not optional for believers. I mean, they really aren't. And, and, and until we get to the place where they are, we have to, be, we have to come to that place. And in my own life, I would love to say that I was smart and that I knew this. No. You know how I learned this? is because I needed a miracle. I needed a supernatural God. I needed, a, I needed Jesus to be the guy who he says who was in the Bible. And you know, when I first realized that I needed a miracle, it was years before I got what I needed because I didn't know anyone in the body of Christ that could help me. I mean, I needed deliverance. I didn't know anybody that knew how to do, I mean, you know, I mean, I got crazy stories about reading that book, Pigs in the Parlor on the Airplane, I'm manifesting demon. You know, the well-meaning Christians I knew said, throw that book away, girl. Read a book like that, that'll attract the devil. That's what they tell me. Read a book about the devil, that'll attract the devil. Now that's a, those are some powerless, God bless them. They love the Lord. but they don't know the gospel. And they sure aren't skilled in the word of righteousness. And they aren't exercising their spiritual senses to discern good from evil. I tell people now, you know, if, if the Antichrist comes in here, Damien himself comes in here, well, God bless him, he's going to get delivered. That's why I don't believe in a powerless eschatology. Because I read the book of Ephesians. And I actually believe that Jesus is seated far above. I actually believe he has a name above every name. I don't believe in a weakening church. I believe in a victorious church. I believe in, in an overcoming church. I believe in a church that is going to come into the knowledge of who they are before Jesus returns. I really believe that with all my heart. And any time I've ever heard powerless eschatology. I, it's like I have to almost un, untrain myself from knowing the gospel. It's like, wait a second. How do I preach this and preach that? I do, it does not compute to me. I mean, if I, if I get martyred or I, I get, I'm going down praising Jesus like they did. I mean, I'm going down expecting them to cut my head off and me keep preaching. I'm going like the, the saints and the martyrs of old. That's, how, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting a victorious church. So, with that said, all of that said, Lord, what do you have just in general? 
as we wrap up tonight because you've said a lot. You know, I feel like there's people listening that have really been going through a hard time. And, you know, when you hear a message like this, I can feel the cry of their heart. Like, yes, I hear what you're saying, Shalise. I hear that. But I, I, it's like this chasm between where they are in their life and, and, you know, how do I get to the other side of this chasm? Um, and, you know, I see this, it's really funny, but I, I see this like, you know, like in those jungle movies where they have that rope bridge, <laughs> you know, that goes across the, the, the chasm or whatever. You know, those rope bridges in those movies always look scary. They look rinky-dink. Like, you don't want to get out on that thing. And, you know, half the time in the movies when they do get out on it, you know, one side breaks and they swing to the other side. I mean, it's always a crazy scene, you know. Um, Yeah, you know. But it's funny because I I, I really am seeing this chasm between where you are and where you're going. And then there's just like this little rope bridge in between the two. And so, Holy Spirit, why are you showing me this? Um, Well, I feel like the Lord is just saying, how do you get there? You get there one step at a time. You know, and every step you take, you know, I, I the Lord's reminded me of this too, you know, and I, ta- I share this in my book, which by the way, if you've not gotten a free copy of my book, make sure you go to thepathfreebook.com and download that book. Um, there's, that, it, matter of fact, that will help you cross the chasm. Uh, because why? I've crossed the chasm. I've been there, done there, wrote the book, got the t-shirt, all of that. But the point is, um, when it says one step at a time, you know, I, w- when I first started developing my relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think I've shared this with people before. If you're here tonight, you've heard it. But he told me, he said this, you've got more problems than a math book. Like, and it was kind of funny, you know, but it wasn't funny. But it is funny. Like, that's going to be what he says to me. You've got more problems than a math book. And he's like, but here's, here's what he also said. And you can't solve them all at once. You can't solve them all at once. And then he showed me this like rubber band ball, like the ones that you see at like the office supply stores that like have all those rubber bands around it. And I could, I knew that that rubber band ball was me. Except I was kind of like, you know, they probably, like I think those rubber band balls, I've never undone one. I just remember this from my vision. They have like a core little ball in the middle as far as I know. That's what I saw. And I was the core little ball in there. You know, that was me, and I had all these rubber bands around me. And, you know, that little ball is not getting out by itself. But the Lord said, I know how every single one of these bands got wrapped around you, and I am going to set you free. And you know how he did it? Step by step. Do you know how, I mean, think about it. How, if you're in prison and you're in bondage and, the, and Jesus has set the, I mean, the door's open. Jesus broke the door open out of bondage. You know, how are you going to get out of there? You know how you're going to get out of there? Step by step. First step, you're going to get up off of your prison bed, right? Then you're going to put your foot on the floor. And then you're, and, and the Holy Spirit, he is a master at setting people free. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from another book that I, I, I've read so many books. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Man, that was the other thing he did. When I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, man, I just had this insatiable appetite to read the things about the Holy Spirit, you know, read these things. But I heard one guy say that the Holy Spirit said to him, I am a master 
at making champions out of failures. I'm a master at making champions out of failures. You know, the, the wonderful thing about the Lord is he's not looking for smart people. He's not looking for, you know, royal birth people that are, it says, that are noble, you know. Of, he says that he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He loves to take the failures and make a champion. He loves to take those of us who are at the end of our rope, you know, hanging on by a thread. His, his nature is beautiful. His, his love is so tender and gentle. The words of life that he speaks. I mean, you know, I was so messed up. I thought I had so many, I had terrible, I didn't even like, I hated myself. I didn't like myself. And he would just come and speak. He talked to me like I was a princess. You know, here I was in all this bondage. I had sin in my life. I had all of these things that were going on in my life that I was just in total bondage to. And he would just be, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. He just tenderly, he never let me see myself the way I saw myself. He constantly would tell me, you're not an orphan. I have brought you into my house. You're a queen. You're a princess. You are righteous. He would just start to tell me, a new identity. He began to speak a new identity into me. And you know how long he spoke it? Till I believed it. Over and over and over and over again. Even today, he's pushing me into an identity that I still am... It's too good to be true. You know, you, you, he tells you these things and he's like... You know, it's like the prophecy over Moses' life. He couldn't believe it. He's like, I'm a stutterer. You know, over Gideon. He's like, I'm a poor guy. You know, it's very hard. Simon, you're Peter. You know, God comes and he calls this greatness out of you that you've lived with you. You know what I'm saying? You're like, who's he talking to? No, he's talking to you, beloved. And he's going to keep talking to you and keep talking to you until you believe that you are who he created you, well, who he recreated you in Christ to be. And so that's one of the best motivations I have to tell you, take a step. Take the first step. Take the second step. Because what better journey to go on than travel with somebody who thinks you're wonderful, who thinks you're glorious, who's constantly, it's like, you know, you're going on a walk with someone who all they're, they're just like the best date you've ever had, the best friend you've ever had that all they do is just bring out the best in you and just speak the speak prophetically over you and just tell you who you are and oh by the way while you're walking they're taking you to the place that they're speaking over you it's an incredible thing to walk in the spirit and so i want to encourage you with that and so that's what the holy spirit and here's the thing don't get all caught up on it. Just what's the next step? What's the next step? For some people that are listening tonight, the next step is to enroll and emerge. For some, it's to download the book. For some, it's to give an offering. Amen? I don't know what the next step is. Um, so into this ministry, by the way. So into to the word and the work that God is doing here. You can do that online by going to shalice.com, clicking on give. If you're here tonight, you can do that. There's offering envelopes. You can... Raise your hand, and Jordan will make sure you get one tonight. But um, 
Father, I thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for everyone that's listening tonight. I thank you that you have um, a way across the chasm from where they are to where they're going. And I thank you that it doesn't really even matter if they're just starting on the journey like I was years ago or if they've been walking for a very long time. There's probably still a chasm in their life between where they are today and where the fulfillment of your purpose is in their life. But Lord, I also know there's a next step that you're asking everybody to take. Uh, And so Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice clearly. I pray that there would be a hunger that rises up in them tonight. Like so many years ago on the mission field when when I was so hungry for your presence. Matter of fact, Lord, I just release an impartation of that. And I break off uh, just assignments from the enemy to keep them carnal, to keep them separate, to keep them distracted, to keep them so caught up in their emotions, not connected to where it is you're calling them to, to, to be discipled. And uh, Lord, I call them into that place of surrender. I call them into that place They're on fire. That's what I do. I just call them on fire in the name of Jesus. I just release the fire of God over every person within the sound of my voice tonight, God. I release the baptism of fire tonight, and I just declare from this moment forward, God, that they are burning, burning with a yearning, burning with a yearning to know you, to experience you. They want to know the God of Biddy Hen. <laughs> they want to know the God of Shalice. Amen? They want to know the God of Jesus Christ. They want to know the God of Moses. They want to know, Father, they're not, they're not, they're, they're the same God. They're, 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 they are, there's so much in them. There's so much glory you have for them, Lord. They're, they are not less than any of the saints that have gone before. And Lord, I thank you that they're going to start to see themselves. Like they're, they're that one. They're, they're, they're that one. They're that one that's on fire. They're that one that's chosen. They're that one that's special. They were born for ex- exploits. They were born uh, to be champions. They were born to do something that proves that you are who you say you are. That demonstrates your goodness in the earth, God. We say yes. Say yes. We're living epistles. We say yes. You can use us, Lord. You can use us to show the world who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, awesome. I bless you with a supernatural week. Amen.